What is going on, Covenant College? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to need a little response from you. Uh, a few things you may have noticed. Uh, I got some holy jeans on, California thing. Uh, a little tatted up, my thing. Uh, but also, I'm, uh, I'm black. And so, uh, I need y'all to respond, okay? Yeah. Um, Chaplain uh, told me that uh, I only got 20 to 25 minutes, and so we got to extend that time. So uh, today, if I go a little bit longer, just say it was the Holy Spirit, and uh, I think we'll be okay. Uh, you guys have been great to me. Your hospitality has been amazing. The conversations that I've had with you have been terrific. Also thankful that your chaplain invited me to be here uh, with you today. Uh, it's a little <clears throat> rainy outside, but it was raining when I left L.A., so I won't hold that against you. Uh, normally, it's 70 degrees year-round, but uh, I can get used to this for just a little while. Uh, well, since we only have 20 to 25 minutes, let's jump right in. We will park primarily this morning, the first book of the Bible, second chapter, 15th verse, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It is my hope uh, this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing and acceptable before God, our rock and our redeemer. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and to guard it. This is the word of our risen Christ. Thanks be to God. There was a, a Netflix series that was surrounded by quite a bit of controversy. It was a documentary that was supposed to chronicle the life of one Stephen Avery, who was imprisoned for nearly 20 years for a crime he did not commit. So once he was eventually released, he was then imprisoned again, and he had the same response. He said, this crime I also did not commit. So a group of defense attorneys hearing that came to his aid. And they suggested that in the process of him being arrested and eventually put back in prison, he was framed. The title of this Netflix documentary is The Making of a Murderer. It is supposed to suggest that this man was being made to be something he was not. What was Adam made to be? We can make him out to be a lot of things that he is not. But according to these first few chapters of this first book of the Bible, what was Adam made to be? Uh, if you're in tune with the racial climate of this country, you have people on one end of the spectrum saying, you know what, uh, don't talk about issues regarding race, don't talk about issues regarding racial identity, and then you have people on the other end of the spectrum who are saying, no, we need to foster these types of discussions. And it's those who suggest we need to foster these type of discussions when thinking about who and what Adam was made to be will camp out, saying that he was made in the image according to the likeness of God. And as such, he is to reflect certain attributes of this Lord God, deserving all value and honor that was attributed to him. And consequently, everyone from his progeny should have that same respect, that same value, that same worth. So, uh, if you're in tune with the racial climate, you might park there. 
there are others who are in the midst of the debate about climate control issues. And they will tell you that Adam was called to be a good steward of this earth. So as he was called to be a good steward, so should we. He was the founding member, some might say, of Greenpeace. But like Adam, we too need to be concerned with the issues related to climate and climate control. There are a myriad of debates, and all of those debates can find some aspect right here in these first three chapters of Genesis. Surely you've had some conversation about issues related to gender. There are some who might say, we don't want to hear from Adam at all. <laughs> because, you know, there was another one who was made in the image according to the likeness of God. It was a woman. Let's hear from her. What, what does she have to say about toxic masculinity? What does she have to say about the workforce? What does she have to say about abortion? Let's hear from that first woman. By the way, do you know what her, her name was? Uh, Eve. Thank, thank, thank you. Uh, uh, my response to you would be maybe. She wasn't named until after the fall. Oh, so I guess we need to just read that narrative a bit more closely. In the midst of the myriad of conversations that, that are happening, one thing that I don't hear inserted in that conversation, when we're thinking about answering that question, what was Adam made to be? It's rare that I hear he was made to be a killer. The title of this short message this morning is The Making of a Killer. Verse 15. And the Lord... We can camp there for the duration of our time. But, but just hear what, what the author Moses wrote here. He said, and the Lord God. He wasn't concerned with the gods of Mesopotamia. He didn't say, and Marduk and Tiamat. He said, and the Lord God, the architect of heaven and earth who had this blueprint in his mind that he purposed to carry out by speaking, not by tweeting. <laughs> Tweets come and go, right? It was by speaking. When this Lord God speaks, things happen. Heaven and hell are created. Light and darkness, love and light. The dust of the earth, taken by this Lord God, fashioned into this frame, and he breathed into his body, creating this man. This is the only wise God. This is the God whom you need to be concerned about, this Lord God, who, who made the sun, who made the moon, who made the stars, who holds your very life in his hands. I don't want this to be a time that you simply come here for 20 or 30 minutes and you walk away not knowing about this Lord God, the most important being you could ever know is here. When Moses wrote, the Lord God. Of course, it goes on and it says that he took. Depending on your perspective, that might be a bad word. You know, I hear it from my children all the time. Daddy, she took. Uh, Mommy, he took. 
I, I wonder if one of the fathers of the faith, Joseph, would say the same thing. Lord God, they took when his brothers took him and put him in a pit, left him there and to be sold to the Ishmaelites, who was eventually led to hundreds of years of enslavement in Egypt. So let's just hope that when the Lord God takes something, it's not going to end up like that. And the Lord God took. What did he take? This first man, <clears throat> Adam. What and who was Adam made to be? You know, when I was in seminary many, many years ago, a group of my peers and I would go to one of the local colleges and we would engage people about Jesus. If Jesus is who he says he is, if he was who he said he was, if if our religion is what it claims to be, then surely we weren't going to keep those things to ourselves. So we would go to one of the local colleges and would engage people about this one Jesus. And sometimes conversations would start out like, hey, do you believe God exists? And people would respond to that. And we would have conversations with Muslims, with atheists, with agnostics, with Buddhists. And one thing was similar between all of those conversations. Everyone confessed to being on some sort of journey. They knew they started here. They knew they wanted to get here. And all this in-between stuff, they were trying to figure out what that's all about. But there was one conversation in particular that, that still stands out to me. Because when I asked this young lady, you know, does God exist? She said, yes, I, I believe he exists. And she would go on to say how she thought he or she or it was some force that did certain things. But interestingly, she also went on to describe, of all people, who Adam was. I thought, that's kind of interesting. Of all the things in the world you can say about this interaction and what you believe, you want to describe Adam. Keep in mind verse 15, and the Lord God took the man, so he, he took Adam. I ask you again, who or what was this one Adam created to be? Uh, this woman had an interesting response. I want you to watch this very, very brief video. Okay, well, I think that he does exist, that, but there are some, like, weird things. Like, if Adam and Eve were, like, the only people, then, like, you know how, like, genetically, you know, like, people, if they, like, mate with, like, their family, then, like, people come out with, like, genetic deficiencies and all that, but we didn't, like, have that, and then all of a sudden we got, like, Asians and everything, and it's just kind of weird that, like, if it was only Adam and Eve, then, like, we would only have, like, white people. So, Adam and Eve are white? Well, that's what they say in, like, all the picture books. They always have them being white. They don't have them being, like, colored. I get 28 days out of the year to celebrate Black History Month. I make him black this month. She made him white because of the color books. I know none of you would say that uh, that's what you believe, but I wonder what your picture books tell you about this one, Adam. 
Because it's easy, just like we do it with God, to make God according to our image and our likeness. We can do it with this first man, Adam, too. We can make him the consummate gardener because he was told to work this garden. We can make him one who's, who's just thinking about ways he can improve upon Greenpeace. I mean, we can create all these narratives according to what we want to think and how we ought to behave. By the way, uh, I, I don't think Adam is black. Um, I don't know what color his skin is. Uh, and in our current contemporary categories of ethnicity, I don't even know if I can make that plain either. But this thing I do know, he was made to be a killer. And that has consequences for you, too. Notice, the Lord God took the man, verse 15, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. There's your homework. Figure out what that means. And to keep it. You should immediately ask yourself the question, keep it from what or from whom? The, the words that make up that, that, that Hebrew word, the, the three root letters, shin, mim, resh, for you Hebrew scholars. It could also be translated to guard it. And you should ask yourself the same question. Well, if Adam was placed in this garden to keep it or to guard it, still to, to guard it from what or to guard it from whom, God evidently was concerned with keeping certain people or certain things out. Which means the conversation surrounding the Trump administration about guarding this territory didn't start with him. It didn't start with the conversations that eventually led up to the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act. It started thousands upon thousands of years ago right here. God was concerned about keeping certain things and certain people out of the garden. Adam should have been concerned with a border crossing of sorts. And please don't take my language to be partisan because I'm independent. <laughs> Guard it from what? Keep it from whom? Adam knew his task. And it was later unfolded for us in Numbers chapter 3. When upon hearing from the Lord, Moses would give instructions to his priest. One of their primary tasks was to guard the dwelling place of God. And in Numbers chapter 3, verse 10, we, we have the same word that's used here. And the priests were told to guard the tabernacle from outsiders. And if any outsider was to come near, do you know what the priest's task was? To kill him. That was their task. Any outsider comes into this place, the place that should be the most protected place, the dwelling place of God, kill him. This garden where Adam dwelt was the dwelling place of God. And he had the same task. If any outsider were to come near, if you weren't going to kill it, physically, at a minimum, slay him with the word of God. How'd that turn out? <laughs> uh, if you've read Genesis chapter 3 anytime soon, you, you know how things turned out. And as a result, now we're dealing with hashtag me too. As a result, now we're dealing with hashtag black lives matter. As a result, 
now we're dealing with issues related to police brutality. As a result, now we're dealing with issues related to pornography, adultery, sexual abuse, husbands not loving their wives, children being neglected. As a result, now we have to deal with our own wicked hearts. The very things that we think sometimes that we won't even tell the person to our left or our right. As a result of Adam not being the killer that he was made to be, we're dealing with all of this mess. How's that been going for you? When you have to wake up certain mornings and have things on your heart that you don't even want to deal with because you know how ugly it is in there, how's it going for you? When you're now, as a result of Adam not being the killer he was made to be, you're now wrestling with issues of gender and identity. Right here, Adam's task that he failed to accomplish. That's unfortunate for us, but thanks be to God, there is good news that Adam, while he failed as he was called to be this protector, as he was called to be the first security guard, as he was called to be the first law enforcement agent, while Adam failed in not being the killer he was called to be, there was another. Romans 5 calls him the second Adam. There was another who, according to the book of Hebrews, he was after the order of Melchizedek. He too was a priest. There was another who was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him and through him all things were created in heaven above and in the earth below. There was another, Jesus, who was put into a situation that wasn't even as lush as Adam. <laughs> Adam was chilling in the garden. Jesus was put in the wilderness, and he too had to confront this outsider. And how did he slay him? It is written. The very thing that Adam was called to do, this Jesus as God incarnate, protecting the dwelling place of God, his own body, said to Satan, it is written, be gone, Satan, you have no place here. And though he was tempted in all ways, even in that desert, yet without sin, do you know what he did toward the end of his earthly ministry? So that you could take upon yourself the title of a royal priesthood. So that you could be forgiven of all of your sins, but, but, but it, it doesn't just stop there because not only in Christ are your sins taken away, but you have something added as well, his perfect righteousness. He became an outsider for you on that cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us, and God the Father slayed him on that tree so that you and have the benefits of a reconciled relationship with God above so that you can be called sons of God having the very title of Jesus so that you would not only be forgiven and loved and embraced by God not only be a chosen generation but a royal priesthood so that you as Paul would write in first 
Corinthians chapter 6 would be the dwelling place of God. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Which means, like Adam, which means, like Jesus, as a royal priesthood, you too are called to protect the dwelling place of God. Which means, beloved, you too are called to be killers. Why else did the Apostle Paul write in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual morality, impurity, passion, uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. Slay it, kill it with the word of God. One of the most important things you can do in your time on this campus and in this world is to protect your body. God cares about your soul, but he also cares about your body. Protect it. I know how hard it is. Just because I'm a pastor, just because I'm the speaker for today, please don't get it twisted. That's California talk. I struggle too. I struggle with being short with my children when I'm walking out of the house and my daughter's like, hey, but daddy. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I got things to do and I turn around to greet her and all she wanted to do was hug me. Oh, I feel terrible. <laughs> or my wife who has been called to be my bride and I have been called to love her. I get so selfish at times because I got to work on that dissertation because uh, i got to get out here and plant that church. That's not a godly focus. That's sin. It's in me too. Sometimes I act like it's not on Facebook, but it's in me too. And I, like you, am called to slay that sin. I, like you, am called to be a killer. So please, in the midst of all of the conversations that you can have about race and gender and climate control, I bring those things up because I've been watching your chapel services. <laughs> Please also insert this first book of the Bible, second chapter, 15th verse, that you are called to be a killer. When you slay that sin, when you resist the devil having the promise that he will flee, you'll change. When you slay that sin and you resist the devil having the promise that he will flee, your church will change. When you slay that sin, when you resist the devil having the promise that he will flee, systems will change. So pursue that. Push against the struggle. I was just talking to my wife. Uh, last night, because I just got in last night, and I'm still on L.A. time, so I didn't sleep very much. I blame your chaplain. Um, there was a book written many, many years ago um, by Jerry Bridges, the late Jerry Bridges. I think it was called Respectable Sins. And uh, it's interesting how comfortable we get in our sins. Uh, ought it never to be. Uh, just two more things, because I only have a couple more minutes. Uh, I got a call from a young lady. She was in our church when I planted the first church in, in Richmond, Virginia. She called me. Uh, she joined the Coast Guard, and she wasn't uh, doing well, not because of her 
new job, but because of a situation. She was dating a man, uh, a man whom I baptized. And uh, he was African-American, she was Anglo, all about that interracial marriage. Um, my wife's not black. Uh, and so uh, we make the cutest kids. Um, <laughs> and she called me a little bit distraught, and I'm like, you know, wh what's going on? And, and she says, uh, I broke up with uh, this, this man. And I said, oh, okay, uh, you know, what, what's going on? The short version, so I don't give you all the details, is uh, during their initial dating period, courting period, whatever you want to call it, He eventually left our church to go back on to the West Coast, and he said that he was going back because he had to take care of his cousin who had cancer and his two nieces. And so we decided, okay, man, well, we're going to miss you here at the church. I mean, it, it appears that he was growing in his faith, and of course he had that relationship with that young woman. And so he goes back, and many of us keep in touch with him and think nothing else. You know, through social media, we find out that he's flying to see her, she's going places, so their relationship appears to be progressing. Until I got that call yesterday and found out that they were no longer together. Do you know why? Of course you don't know why. The cousin whom he said he was going back to see was actually his wife. The nieces that he said he was going back to take care of uh, were actually his daughters. And so she was all broken up over that and the implications of that. So after our conversation, I'm processing and praying, and I talked to my wife, and I said to her, it is so easy to live a double life. It's so easy to... to tell people who you are and for a short period show them who you are all the while doing things that others don't know about. And while it may not be in your life or my life as bold as something like that, I would ask you to, to look at your life to see where those things might be true and to take a couple of steps back to reflect upon this passage and how God has equipped you by his Holy Spirit to protect the dwelling place of God, your own body, and in doing so, be a killer. You know, I uh, never uh, watched that Netflix documentary, The Making of a Murderer. Uh, Google did a good summary. That's how I found out about it. Uh, but I tell you, the, uh, it seemed to be the defense attorney's position that he was given all of these opportunities by those who framed him to be a murderer, and, and that's what was going on. Every day, every waking moment, you are given the opportunity to be a killer. And as the old saying goes, sin is going to be killing you or you are going to be killing it. You need to make a choice. And if you have bowed the knee to King Jesus, the, the Lord God incarnate, I can assure you of this. He's equipped you to do that work because of how much he loves you. And he has demonstrated that love by giving himself to you and also giving the Holy Spirit to you so that, I say it again, you can be a killer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you have been a God who has cared so much about us. 
And so we pray, Lord, that you would be pleased to impress these things upon our hearts continually, that we might be further equipped to do the work you have called us to do in slaying sin and resisting the devil. Hear our prayers, we pray. We ask all of these things through Christ Jesus, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And all God's people said,